When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Is that a Ramona? Ketchup out. Brown sauce is gone. Busy drinks is gone. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stedka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter and Instagram. We show up to play our games. That's why we're here to pod with you. Unlike the Arsenal who have not shown up for a North London Derby, despite having only one confirmed COVID case when the decision was made. Of course, they have a second since then, but that's neither here nor there. I'm joined today by Scott and Dakota, as well as Shuban lurking in the background. Let's start by throwing it out to Scott. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Just enjoying a free Sunday afternoon, or I guess morning, right? But whatever it is. Um, spending the time winning Super Bowls with my Texans franchise in Madden. I am fresh off the AFC Championship where I just smashed Cincinnati, and I'm looking forward to, to winning a Super Bowl shortly after we wrap this. That is probably going to be the last fairy tale we tell on the Tottenham Depot for today. Uh, Dakota's also with us at Dakota J Booth on Twitter. Dakota, what's going on, my friend? Uh, you know, hanging out in snowy Northeast Tennessee today. Um, I, I'm hoping, or I'd say my daughter is hoping that it snows a whole lot so she can ask me if I want to build a snowman and then we can go outside and build a snowman. So <laughs> fingers crossed for that today. That sounds like fun, and, and and I'm sure the kids probably have off tomorrow with the holiday, the, the Martin Luther King Day holiday. So, uh, hopefully, a little time to enjoy the snow as well. My t- my two and a half year old and my eight month old do have the day off from school for Martin Luther King Junior Day tomorrow. So, you're right. Perfect, perfect. I can I can I can sense the the, the Snyder remark there. That's well done. Shuban's also lurking with us. He's uh, battling a a voice problem today, so he will be in and out. But uh, Shuban, how's it going, my friend? It's going on great, guys. Uh, as he would, CC would say, anytime you get a chat with your mates and Dakota about Tottenham, it's always a good thing. And um, it was nice. I got to run through Tottenham today. Um, it was weird seeing it so empty because obviously no North London derby because a certain team are completely ballless and just couldn't bother turning up. So yeah, yeah, that's and that's kind of where we stand. Uh, you know, we we had a podcast uh, on Wednesday following whatever the hell that was uh, in the League Cup semifinal. And then uh, if you didn't see, we dropped a bonus pod on Friday, an interview with Kat Lucas about her new book, Tottenham from the Lane. Uh, You should check that out if you haven't. But then we kind of expected to have a fun day today talking about a North London derby. And uh, Scott, Arsenal got the game called off because of COVID or AFCON or loaning out too many players and not being able to to field a team quote unquote um how 
do we want to just rant? Do we want to feel bad for ourselves? Do we want to, you know, be pissed off, angry? What's our approach to this, Scott? I mean, I don't think I, I'm not angry or like you're, I, or maybe I, I'm irritated, but I'm I'm not angry. I mean, I think ultimately we're going to end up playing this match with three of our best players who, who we are currently missing back, right? So. I, I see that as a massive positive. I think, and like I told you guys yesterday, I got a three-day weekend. Like, I'm chilling. I'm going to throw the Xbox on. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of my time away from work, regardless of whether or not Spurs play, right? Um, my concern more stems with just the super, 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 super slope, slippery slope that they have set as, as a president right now, right? Um, I... I just have a lot of questions, you know, I don't mean to just unload cause we're going to get into all of this. Right. But like, we all know we were, we were, we were removed from the Europa or from whatever that thing was, that tournament we were in, in Europe, um, you know, for, for, for having a, a real issue, you know, that Arsenal pretended to have and got this game postponed. I think there's a lot of teams in the league who, have had to play with very weakened sides because of COVID. Leeds United. Correct. Today. Yep. And and one, correct? And that's the second time they've done that, if not the third time they've had to play with the super weakened side because of COVID. One of them against Arsenal. Exactly. So it just I think like I'm kind of stumbling over my words here because there's so much to say in so little time and so much running through your head, right? But ultimately I have no anger or or malcontent towards the fact that we're not playing today because we will benefit from this on the field in my opinion my concern is again what how the premier league handles this and what this does going forward because there's a legitimate case to be made that that you cancel the or you null and void the season there's just been so much inconsistency in the way that teams are asked to challenge for points um and it's not going to sit well um Period. No matter what happens going forward, it's not going to sit well, right? So the Premier League has just really fucked themselves, in my opinion. And it's very, very, very interesting to see something like that happen, as much as it's not surprising, right? Yeah, it's a it's a dangerous precedent. You're you're exactly right, Dakota. I I I take it that you feel this this same way, and um, I just it feels it feels like if we just bend off the rest of the season and said, you know, Man City, congratulations on your championship, and the rest of you you know, fuck off. I mean, that's, that's, that's just where we would be. Right. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at the end of the season, there's not probably going to be a whole lot different than that. Um, there are man cities starting to do the thing that they do where they just start to run away with the league and <clears throat> nothing else in the, at the top of the table is really that interesting outside of who's going to finish fourth, which, you know, let, let's do a little bit of math here. Let's dream a little bit. And, you know, if we, we get any sort of result against Chelsea next week, and then we win our games in hand, we are above them in the table. So there is definitely a lot going on in that two through, <clears throat> excuse me, two through six or even seven at this point, because of all of these games that have been, been canceled, you know, we have four games in hand and we aren't even the team that has the most games in hand. Burnley has only played 17 games this year. So it's going to be May and Burnley is going to be 
having to play three games a week against everyone else who's finished their season, except for their matches against Burnley, because they can't seem to, to get these matches in. So yeah, it's definitely a, a, a dangerous precedent that the league has set because, because of the, uh, the not the extra COVID stuff, um, the wording in the rule which is very unfortunate says that if COVID impacts your squad at all, you can uh, apply for postponement. And unfortunately for us today, you know, Arsenal has uh, woefully mismanaged their squad and have signed four really important players for them who they knew were going to leave for AFCON. And then they decided to continue to loan out players and, that makes one COVID case a huge issue for them, which frankly is not our problem, not, not the league's problem, but it is what it is. And it puts us in the situation where it is. Thankfully, like Scott mentioned, our players are a lot more important that we're missing than theirs. Um, so when this comes back around and they've done all of this running away, there are hopefully going to be a whole lot of Tottenham Hotspur fans that are singing Arsenal FC, you can run, but you can't hide because we're still here. <laughs> Shuban, jump in on this. I mean, it, it feels like, yeah, Arsenal had some issues and some departures, but at the same time, they, they could have fielded a team today, even if you throw in a few youth players, right? Well, so that's the thing. I mean, you've got Leeds have done that twice, but it does feel like you're using COVID as like a blank check to basically cover up your squad management issues. Mm -hmm. I so As you guys know, I used to work in I work in the UK and I work in an auditor. And basically, if you ask, challenge any firm for anything, they will just say COVID, COVID, COVID. And that's their excuse for any kind of, like, you know, why they haven't done something. Well, here, basically, you kind of, COVID, I'm not display, I'm not downplaying COVID, but AFCON is something you know about. Your play being suspended, well, that's kind of your own problem, isn't it? So why should everyone else have to pay for the fact that you can't, your play can't get himself, not get himself sent off? And you haven't managed your squad properly. If it was, if they say there was like a massive, like, I don't know, there were 10 players out through COVID, I would have like, you know what, I'd have a lot more sympathy for them. But when it's only, was it one at the time? I think it's now two. Correct. It does seem, it does seem, allegedly two. And it doesn't, so, so what, so basically what we played, so we played less than next week to Chelsea. Oh, you know, we've had two players out through COVID. And because of privacy issues, we're not going to say who those players are. Okay. But they're, you know, so therefore we can't have enough players. We've got five players out through COVID, and you're just, and it'll just, it'll, it'll cause the season to come into pass. Because you say, oh, look, we, you know, because they'll say we can't field a squad. So we have, we have a massive COVID outbreak, and you're just going to get that saying, I want a COVID holiday. Do you know what I'm saying? Just to avoid playing matches. So until you get players, because how do I put it? In, in fights, in MMA, which I'm a big fan of, everyone fights injured. You're never going to be 100 percent healthy. In, in squads, unless you're City, and even then, you're never going to have a 100 complete healthy squad first team. But you have to play on. That's the whole idea of, of of the season. That's the whole nature. It's a marathon kind of thing. That's the reason why that's why, that's why people are invested in that. And this kind of process precedent, because what will happen is, you know, it, what if, say, Burnley or Watford had the same situation? And then, you know, they have the same identical situation to ask, but they don't get that. Essentially, you have, it reeks, at worst, it reeks of incompetence or bad judgment. 
at the at best, sorry, and at worst, it reeks of corruption. Which, given Arsenal's history with Tottenham and the Premier, and you know, in the first division, Premier League, whatever you call it, it seems kind of apt, really. It's got 100 years since they cheated and they're cheating the way into the into top flight, and this is what they do. Yeah, it's you know, you make a good point about the blank check. I mean, and and we're not trying to. We're obviously not trying to downplay the role of COVID in everyone's lives right now. That still is a thing and still is a serious thing. But when you start to and 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 Dakota, the point that you made, the way the rule is written is is truly the problem. And I see people out there pointing out that what team wouldn't take advantage of this? Well, I'll tell you what team: Tottenham Hotspur wouldn't. <laughs> like that's or Leeds United, or, or Leeds United, or a number of other teams. But Arsenal have, and that's why we're calling. You know, we're not even calling Arsenal out because we're Spurs fans. I mean, we would do that anyway. But like in this scenario, I I haven't seen anyone really defending Arsenal other than people associated with Arsenal. And that's what makes this so rich and so kind of um, just mind numbing because the blank check theory really is kind of where we're at. We're at the point where anytime there's a COVID issue of any magnitude, uh, we're just gonna gonna bin off games, and that's not that's not good for the league. That's not good for integrity. That's not good for for competition's sake. Um, you know, you guys mentioned uh, you know that that Spurs will potentially have more players back by the time this fixture is rescheduled, and that's potentially true. But I guess the the, the grander question is: Is this postponement better for us or them? I to me, that's kind of a wash. I think you you play with the players you have when you have them. But I don't think that Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal is going to get much stronger than they would have been if the match was played today. I think we can get stronger. Therefore, I think maybe you give the slight edge to to, to Spurs in that sense. But I don't know. For, for me, it's mostly a wash in that scenario. Scott, do you disagree? No, I mean I don't. I don't. I don't think it's even worth discussing. Like, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have asked a question. I'm just talking out loud here, right? Like, I don't even think it's the topic worth discussing who's going to benefit more from this because it's all just a bunch of bullshit anyways. And I think kind of what I mean by that is, you know, I'm, I'm at the point now where I will never be surprised by a game being postponed, moved, changed. I mean, I don't even believe we're playing half the time. I really don't until I like, until a lineup is released an hour before kickoff. And, you know, Fabrizio Romano, which he never would, and you get my point though, tweets that we're actually playing, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's really hard to even trust the games are going to happen. And I think that, that begs the bigger question, you know, why can we not seem to get this figured out? I mean, I don't want to go down a COVID rant right now, but you know, we still have people that, that think the vaccine is fucking 5G. And then we wonder why, we can't play a football game because of COVID. Right. And then we get focused on football and we get focused on Arsenal wanting, or, you know, a postponement because of loans, but like, we just got to get our shit together. So this shit can stop, man. Like ultimately. And, and we, I just want to go back to football being played on a schedule that's released at the beginning of the season and everything follows suit. Right. And we just need to do a better job as, as people in general to get to, to that point. Right. But this is just a product of, of how stupid we are as, as, as a Western people, you know, and um, again, not to go down a COVID ramp, but it just kind of puts me in a position where I don't even really care to like get worked up about this stuff. You guys know in the chat yesterday, I was just like, whatever, I, I, I really can't even find myself 
you know, being anything other than flat about this because I'm just kind of surprised by nothing at this point, right? No, you're you're you're, you're spot on, mate. And it's uh, like I said, it's frustrating, but it's just it's kind of one of those things that in this new world, and I hate I hate that phrase. I hate that you know even that mindset, the, the new normal and, and shit like that. But it is just something that we have been tasked with dealing with. And in the grander scheme of things, like as we all know, the football schedules being messed up is not the, the most important thing in terms of people's health and safety. But we just feel like this is kind of one of those things where people are taking something that is a serious issue and making it a less serious issue. And that's- yeah, yeah. And, and again, I don't mean to lecture or go down to COVID or all, all of that is to say, I really just can't bring myself to get emotional about this kind of stuff. Sure. And it it just kind of is what it is. Right. No, I, I, I totally get what you're saying and I hear you. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird in that way. Um, there is, you know, a match to look forward to, which I guess we can kind of transition and and talk into now because the arsenal fixture is not uh, rescheduled as of now. And I don't even think, I think we still have what the Burnley fixture needs to be rescheduled. And Brighton and, and Brighton as well. Um, so we still have those two, but, but one of the matches that was postponed has been put back on the schedule and that's Leicester. And that comes up this Wednesday. Uh, Spurs have an interesting week ahead as they have Leicester away and Chelsea away uh, next Sunday. So we've got kind of those two matches to, to look ahead to um, before there's a little bit of a break ahead of the FA cup uh, fourth round tie. And that, again, that comes up against Brighton as well. So, um, I guess what are what are we looking at? Leicester's a weird team because they have not actually played a match since, as I look at it here, they haven't played since their FA Cup third round tie uh, Saturday, January eighth. So we're going over a week ago now, and before that, they hadn't played since the twenty eighth of December. So this is a team that has not had a lot of of games played, um, and they're one that are kind of you know they they are actually have are sitting on the same number of of games played in the league as Tottenham at eighteen. So another team that has gone through some COVID issues and had some postponements and this and that, but uh, they sit 10th in the table on 25 points while Spurs are eight points clear of them uh, currently sitting up in sixth. Again, none of this really matters because the games are all different, but um, Leicester have, have kind of had a weird season and have not been, not been great, but uh, you know, Dakota, what's, what's the outlook for, for facing a team like this midweek when you've got to turn around and, again, play Chelsea, a team that, that Spurs just saw twice, uh, and we'll see it for a third time uh, coming up on the weekend. Yeah, it's a lot of, like you said, it's a lot of unknowns. You know, they, have, they haven't played in a long time. So ideally, you know, thinking from their perspective, they're going to be fresh. And they also might be la- lacking some match sharpness. Some, some of that game intensity um, isn't going to be up, up to snuff. Whereas, you know, we you know, looking from our perspective in a perfect world, have both of those things. We haven't played in a week and we have been playing matches. We've played more than two matches in the last, uh, you know, nearly month. So um, I I think it, it, on the surface, it bodes well for us. Um, But these games with Leicester, they tend to be really entertaining and up and down and and back and forth um, when we play them. So, you know, I think there's a lot to look forward to from our perspective. Um, but it is something that could be, you know, a bit of a, to use a, a an American phrase, a bit of a trap game. Because we can easily, easily look forward to Chelsea because that is a very, 
big game for us looking at the table um, because we are not that far behind them in, in points when you look at how many games we have in hand. So those games in hand don't mean anything if we don't get the results in the games that we do play. So um, it, it it's easy to look forward to Chelsea, but I, I, I think that Antonio Conte is the type of manager that's going to have these, these guys focused on this, this one game. And um, you know, who knows by then, by, by Wednesday, maybe Eric Dyer is healthy and Cudi Romero has had a week or so of, uh, of, of training under his belt and he can be, you know, maybe even on the bench or, you know, get a few minutes. So there's definitely a, a lot to look at here, but the most important thing I think is to look at Lester, not look at what is coming after Lester. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And also Hugo Lloris should be well rested too. So he, he should be able to come back. Obviously his old bones are going to be fresh, man. Uh, that guy hasn't played in, it'll be two weeks uh, since the first leg against Chelsea coming up uh, by Wednesday against Leicester. So uh, I kid, maybe, maybe uh, Galini will uh, finally see the bench, um, which would be great. Um, Scott, what, what do you think about Leicester? I mean, this is a weird team to, to be facing in this moment where Spurs are trying to get healthier and trying to build some momentum in the league. But uh, Leicester, Leicester always seemed to be a kind of a hit or miss team for Spurs, right? Yeah. I'm actually a little more confident going into this than I've been in a long time against Leicester. I think we have <laughs> under Poch, we seem to have a little bit more trouble combating the way that they use their width especially they played a 4-4-2 historically. I don't even know what they play anymore, right? But Leicester uses uses their width pretty well and then usually uses two strikers up top. And I think the way we play now will suit that a little bit better than than ways we played in the past. You know, I think that maybe I could say the Conte effect if, if I don't need, may, need to make that long-winded, right? But just because of the way we're playing, I'm a little bit more confident in Leicester not kind of being the bogey team that they've been and not, not, I don't say bogey in terms of results because we've gotten results, but it's always, it's always a tough, tough match against Leicester for us for whatever reason. And I just think we're a little more well-suited to combat what they're going to do. And I also think it seems like Brendan Rodgers does a really good job of like finding his squad, getting them buzzing. And then the more he mixes people in, he, he faces challenges. Right. So I think we're kind of seeing some of that this year and, um, yeah, I, I think as long as we go out and play our game, we'll, we'll, we'll get the best of Leicester. And I also don't – I don't really look at, at our form as negative right now. I think you can kind of remove the Carabao Cup, right? And if you look at our league form, we've been playing some decent football. Um, even the even the game where we had to snag points late from the, from the sunny uh, free kick there and, and Sanchez header, you know, we still got the win, so – I feel pretty confident and and I think Conte will have the guys ready. Um, yeah, which is a nice feeling actually, because things have felt a little grim lately with those care about cup results and, you know, this arsenal bit and whatnot, but I think we go out and take it to him. Yeah, I think that would be the hope. And, um, you know, Shuban's chiming in, in in our, in our chat here at the right time with, you know, talking about, um, you know, being able to prep for the right team like Spurs were going into the weekend prepping for Arsenal. I have to switch gears and prep for a different team and also not knowing that, you know, whether or not that's going to happen. And it's, this is just kind of the, the ups and downs of the season and kind of kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, the idea that this season has been such a roller coaster ride and, and kind of just 
very strange, very strange overall. Um, guys, I want to shift the conversation a little bit into some transfer rumors and talk. Um, we had a question on the socials come in from uh, Don Andres uh, about, they wanted to know about the Dylan Markenday situation. Um, there's rumors that he's going to be sold um, and whether or not a player like that could start an exodus of, of younger players, maybe someone like Dane Scarlett. Um, I'm going to go to Dakota on this because I know he, he you know, I know Shuban has, has seen Market Day play, um, but Dakota, I know you follow these youth guys a little more than the rest of us and kind of have an opinion. Um, what, what, what is your thought on, on that and whether or not, you know, I think the other question when it comes to Market Day is whether or not there will be a buyback clause placed in the contract. Yeah. Uh, first off, shout out to Andres, my boy. Um, I'm actually on a little bit of a different wavelength with Mark and Day than a lot of people. I think that there's a reason that a club like Blackburn is coming in for him. And I think that there's a reason that the fee is what it is. And I think there's a reason that he's nearly, he's going to be 21 years old this summer and not gotten a sniff at regular first team minutes. So I, I'm not that upset um, with the move. I think it makes sense for him professionally, which is honestly the most important thing in this whole scenario is what makes sense for him as a, a footballer. Um, and I think that this is going to be a good move for him if he does have the talent that you know a lot of other people think that he does. He's going to be able to prove it and then he's going to get a, another move to a big club. Um, I haven't heard personally anything about a buyback clause like um, like with, uh, oh man, who did we sell to Sunderland? Dennis Serkin? Serkin, yes. I haven't heard anything about a buyback clause with this Mark and Day um, thing, but it also hasn't been announced. It's not concrete. Yeah, so, not, not, not an official thing either. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's definitely something to look out for. It. I think it would say a lot about what the club thinks Mark and Day's actual level is if there's not a buyback clause since we just saw one with Dennis Serkin. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I'm not too upset with this move. Um, you know, if he's not gonna, if he's not getting into the, even the first team squad with the way Delhi and Bergvine and those guys have been playing in his position positions, then I think that kind of says all that you need to know about where, where the club values him and where they think uh his, his level is whether they're right or not you know remain remains to be seen but i kind of tend to agree with with the club at this point shuban you've actually seen mark and day play uh at some of the youth matches what i mean what what would a move like this mean to you well i've actually seen him. i actually know someone that coached him when he was younger actually as well so Dillian's a very good kid. He's from West Finchley, which is not about six miles away from the lane. And the thing that Dillian's always had a problem with is the fact that he's he'd been undersized, even as a kid. And I saw him play at um, Stevenage. He is a good kid. He's he's solid, but he just is woefully undersized for where they played him up. They played him up front. So that kind of, and the kids, the Chelsea kids were like six foot ten or something, absolutely huge in comparison. So, but I think that's one thing. And here's the thing, it's, do you know what? There's a reason why that, as, as, as Dee said quite well, which I'm saying sort of a few comments I'm going to give him, that Dane Scarlett was given more of a chance than Dillian Markenday. Because at, at, at that same game, 
Dane Scarlett was there giving autographs. Dillian was there actually playing for the U19s. Um, it's, I think it's a good move for him because he would say, oh, we should loan him and come back. Well, no, why would you? If I'm Blackburn, look how loaning a player for Jack Clark, how has that worked for him and for Spurs? It hasn't worked out at all. He's had loan after loan after loan. Clubs are not invested in his future because he's not an asset to them. He's just someone that's there. So they're not going to reinvest in him as they would for one of their own players that they could sell on or you utilize you know, as part of their long-term planning. So this is a very good move for him. Um, in terms of, is he going to come back and haunt us? I very lucky. I saw Oliver Skip play when he was, I think 16 and I saw him and Keenan Bennett. And I thought these two kids have real ability and they, they want, these two kids are going to make it. The rest of the kids didn't make it. And I don't know what they're, what they're doing. There's a whole bunch of, kids that have been released because obviously it's five six years on now and if you, if you look at if you look at now keenan bennett's barely plays in Borussia munchen group gladback he barely plays and oliver skip has had the right breaks he had the right loan he had the right manager that came in both both hosts jose and um Borussia believed in him he had the right loans at the right time and he's come in done really well so many things have to go right for a professional footballer to go from I think I think Dillian's been at the club since he was 13, 14. So a lot has to go right for him to even even get even a, a, a you know a you know even a, a sub place. I think he had a few sub appearances in the Europa League. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he played. I think he had. I think he had one one sub appearance maybe in the in the Conference League. I, I can't. Yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but but uh, yeah, it's it's weird when when we get this kind of reaction um, about youth players either going on loan or, or, or being sold outright. Um, I don't know. It's, it's like you say, a lot has to happen in order for these things to work out. And most of the time, truthfully, they don't. Um, it's, it's, it's rare that you get a, a player from the Academy to come through in the way that, you know, that a Harry Kane or a Harry Winks or, or, or those types of players do so often. Um, th those, those cases are, are much rarer than the ones that they go off and, and play, uh, you know, either at a lower level in England or, or, or go play abroad and, and, you know, kick on to have, have nice careers, but not careers at the level of a, you know, top five, top six premier league team. Um, it's just kind of the, the way that it goes. Um, it is the 16th of January. So we have uh, tomorrow we'll mark two weeks through uh, for, for, for the rest of the, the transfer window. And, of course, Twitter is abuzz with the idea that Spurs have not signed anyone, um, which is just typical, you know, typical Spurs Twitter. But Adama Traore continues to be the name out there that um, most fans believe will happen and and want to happen. Um, we've spoken a lot about Adama Traore in this podcast, so we're not going to do another whole Adama Traore debate. But um, it does seem like that's the one that that will probably happen within the next two weeks, at least before the. Uh, the window closes. Uh, the other name that has come up kind of in the last handful of days is Christian Eriksen. And I know this will excite Scott. Um, it's going to excite some others as well. Uh, I remain skeptical if, if Christian Eriksen is headed back to Spurs. Um, it, you know, word from reporters like Alistair Gold is that he's looking at a, a another team in, in England perhaps, but right as of right now, it's not Spurs, but Scott, what do you think about the idea of a of a Christian Eriksen Tottenham reunion? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it ticks a lot of boxes for us. Um, you know, we talk so much about how we need that Erickson prototype right now. Well, we could just get the guy that everyone bases that prototype <laughs> on, right. and we could get him for free um, at a time where we really need to spend money on a center back and a center mid that progresses the ball like badly. You know, so if you can sign Erickson, I, Erickson doesn't start every game. Erickson doesn't doesn't lead the team in minutes. He doesn't run further than everyone else like he used to probably, right, every single game. But if you have Erickson on the bench and you bring Erickson on in the 73rd minute, good chance you find yourself a goal in those 17 minutes, right? So I want Erickson back. I also – my heart wants him back as much as my head, which I just went through, wants him back, right? But but I would ball like a baby if we re-signed that guy after what he just went through, right? Um, and it just so happens, again, that what he produces is exactly what we need in short spurts, and he – can give us that again for free at a time where we really need to invest money elsewhere. Because if you, I think we're kind of at this point where if we don't like, we need a center back, we need a wing back, we need a ball progressing center mid, we need a creative center mid and we need a striker. And if we can get any of those for free, this window really silly not to, in my opinion. Right. So um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. To, to me, it feels kind of like a little bit like a Garrett, Gareth Bale type of, of signing. It, it feels like a short-term goals and 15 appearances, mind you. Right. It seems like a short-term patchwork type of move that could work out really well. Um, but not certainly not a long-term solution to anything. And it feels like a nostalgia play, obviously Dakota. What, I mean, is, is am I being too pessimistic about this idea or it, does that sound right to you? No, I don't think you're being pessimistic. I think you're just kind of being yourself in the transfer window, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is you don't believe anything's going to happen until it happens. Which, All right, so impractical is what you're saying. Which, not pessimistic. Like, good for you, man. But the rest of us want to have some fun. So, All right, fair enough. I won't. I won't. I won't be the fun sucker here. Um, so yeah, I think it would be really, really great. I think it. It, like Scott said, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, but the thing that I would be concerned about is the demand of Erickson's body in a, in a Conte system, which, you know, we talked about in the chat the other day, and this I think is the right mindset to have. If he comes back in a Conte system playing in the premier league or wherever, for that matter, if he plays again, people are a whole lot smarter and more qualified than me or Scott or you listening to this, unless you are a cardiovascular specialist, specialist, and if you are, thank you for listening to this podcast because, wow, um, are more qualified are more qualified to. We're upping today. we're upping the education level of our listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that guy and then a bunch of people with GEDs. Um, yeah. That that guy, that guy or gal. Let's let's not. Yes, uh... yeah, the, that person. Um, so. I, we need we need to trust the people who are making those decisions, and that is why I would would have a clear mind with this with this transfer if it happened. Yeah. I think it would be really great for you know it'd be a great story, and it would be really great for our team. It would add a lot of things that we desperately need. Um, so yeah, I, I would be for it, and I think like you're saying, it would be kind of a stopgap thing to get us to the summer. Um, or maybe even next January, let him sign an 18 month deal. Um, so yeah, um, 
There also today have been some uh, rumblings of Barcelona wanting Adama Traore, which Adama Traore came up through the Barcelona system. So that's kind of a... Do they a, have any space to register him? Aren't they well, having all those issues? They would be... Uh, probably not. But they they are eyeing him for the Usman Dembele replacement. So um, he's going to leave in the summer. So that is definitely something else to kind of keep in mind um, with that Adama situation. But I, I think people, I think people got so caught up in transfer rumors that, and, and that it was, I don't think it matters who it was. People were going to be so focused on that person. And it just happened to be Adama for us. You know, if you ask someone in at the beginning of December, who would you be pumped if we sign? Who do you want us to go out and sign? You know, how many people are going to say Adama Traore? And now it looks like, you know, maybe he's going to stay at Wolves or it seems like we're dragging our feet over 20 million pounds or whatever. And people are fuming. And like, you didn't even want this guy in, in December. But now that his name has been linked with us, if we don't get him, we are screwed. So... Well, that's the that's the tell me I'm a little bit. Yeah, that's the tell me I'm pretty scenario there. That's the totally. that's the Spurs fans wanting wanting somebody to want them, and the second somebody wants them, it's like, oh yeah, we're wanted. Let's want him back. Like, no, we need to have bigger, bigger, uh, bigger, fr- bigger fish. We're we're fishing for bigger aspirations. Yes, to dare is to do, and all that all that jazz, right? Being, yeah, I mean, I I think this kind of ties into what I. I we were chatting about this in the group chat recently. I I enjoyed the days so much more of just going and watching Tottenham and hoping and dreaming for that top four berth. And then we got top four under Potch, and I cried like a baby. And I was so happy. And I just don't know if we get that feeling ever again until we, like, win the Premier League, right? But ultimately what I'm saying is it just kind of developed this fan base where nothing is good enough, you know, and things used to be good enough. And I miss those days because I, I, you, you can look at it like this, like you want the club to go out and sign anyone, whatever. Are you in charge of the club? No. Can you buy the club? No. Like, therefore you can have no impact, move on. Right. Um, it's so much more enjoyable to, to be a supporter when you just accept and acknowledge that you cannot impact things that happen by tweeting um, and that's just really the best advice I can give on the transfer market because it, I like, you know, you never know if it's banter or what, but there's some, there's some accounts where I just, I envision in my head that they just wake up angry about the transfer market and that's what they proceed to do for the entirety of their day until they get on a podcast or a YouTube channel and complain about it a little bit more and then pop straight back to Twitter to, to keep going. Right. And, Again, I'm I'm not judging, man. People can do whatever they want, but again, my advice is to just be a fan of Tottenham and let things happen as they do. Um, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I listen, listen, listen. The idea of muting the phrase "back the manager" on Twitter is has never given me more joy. Like, just mute that phrase, and you will be much, much happier as a person. Um, to your point, Scott, we actually, this actually, your, your point there really leads well into, um, a voicemail we got from our boy Reed Simpson, uh, which we're going to play right now. And we're going to react to what's up guys. Reed Simpson here. Uh, I think I've interacted with most of y'all on Twitter. I'm going to 
trout this voice message thing. I've only got 60 seconds, so I'll jump right into it. I see on Twitter a lot. Um, it almost feels to me like fans out there want us to build a Champions League winning side in the January window, which I don't know soccer. You know, I won't claim to be a transfer window expert, but just doesn't seem feasible. I think the best case scenario for us is we build the quality depth in order to have options. Um, you know, we saw against Chelsea and, and Morecambe, there's just, there's not a whole lot of options for Conte off the bench once you get a couple injuries in a few places. So, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky for Man U to have somewhat of a down year and God forbid Arsenal gets that top four heading into the summer. Uh, for recruitment purposes, I think just get the players you need to have the depth to have the best chance to secure top four. Then in the summer, go get the guys you need to, to win the Premier League or Champions. So to Reed's point there, you know, the expectations, I think, is what he's alluding to. And 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 I think that's a, a lot of what you're saying, Scott. Like the expectation that this club is just going to go out and, you know, do everything possible in January to secure top four. No, that's not what's needed. This team needs to build around the fringes because they're 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 close right now to knocking on that top four window. Uh, and knocking down that door and getting themselves back into the Champions League. And it, look, if it doesn't happen, that's going to hurt their chances cool. to, to build further in the summer. But they can still build further in the summer than they'll be able to in January. And, and honestly, I think I, I, I really think it's worth continuing on about. Like, I, I do remember times very recently, or at least it feels that way, right? Where my Juve buddies, my Madrid buddies, my Man United buddies, like I would sit there and watch their teams in the Champions League just fucking dreaming of that day and that moment, right? Um, and it came. And and I just, I think that's kind of where we still are, right? Like we can't let Pochettino working absolute magic with nothing at his disposal and finding a Harry Kane and finding a Deli Ali make us think that we are on the level of Chelsea. We're just not there yet. And Dakota talks about it all the time, right? We have, we have an organization and leadership that's working hard to get us there the right way, you know? Um, but we're just not quite there yet. And, and I just think we have to remember that literally seven years ago, I would have chopped off my right hand for champions league football, you know? And we just need to slow down and and remember that there's so much more to this than than what we see at the surface. Um, the club will do what it can. The manager will do what he can. If he doesn't get what he wants, he walks maybe. Maybe he doesn't. We have no idea, right? We just have to sit back and let things play out as they will. But there are so many complicated levels to, to what actually happens in January and in the summer. And I just I think it's so easy to look past all of that, right? No, I, I totally agree with you. That's that's pretty spot on. Um, if you want to leave a voicemail like Reed did, uh, be sure to check out that feature on whatever podcast app you listen to on, uh, or you can go to our anchor page uh, and drop one there. We will play it on the show and react. Um, we enjoy that kind of interaction. Dakota, uh, go ahead. Yeah, just literally five minutes ago while we were recording this, Fabrizio Romano is doing a, an interview and, uh, you know, as as happens when he's – speaking live there's a bunch of tottenham fans in the chat saying hey what about us what about us and he said um to not worry that next week which is this this week we're about to enter into is going to be a big one for us uh and to keep an eye out for for some news so um 
you can get your news from Fabrizio Romano or you can come to the Todd Need Depot because I said that exact thing on the che- on the post Chelsea pie last week. So you choose where you get your news from. Uh, all I'm saying is uh, I've been right a couple times. Yeah, and of course, you know, also should we keep an eye on on Paulo Dybala, Dakota? Like that's that's going to happen too this this window, correct? Uh, I'm going to let that one be a surprise for you guys. Hey, my buddy just bought a Dybala jersey pretty drunk down in Miami, which means it was either a great decision or a worse or exactly. a really bad decision. No, and this and this buddy of mine, Juve Dave, loves to buy the kid of a player who leaves abruptly after he buys that kid. So Dybala could very well be on his way out of Juventus. My only source is Juve Dave being drunk and buying a kit down in Miami, but it's a legitimate source. Um, keep your eyes open. All right, gentlemen, before we get out of here, the women did play today against West Ham, a disappointing 1-1 draw, and we've got Caroline Stefko on board to tell us all about it. I will throw it over to Caroline right now. Hey, y'all. This is Caroline back with another Spurs women update for the Tottenham Depot. I was hoping to be coming to y'all with better news, but unfortunately, we ended with the result of a 1-1 draw in another London Derby. So going into the game against West Ham, there were some notable lineup decisions to start. We saw Becky Spencer come back in goal after being out injured. A little bit surprising to see that considering in uh, what good form Corpola had been, but she actually had a very good performance and you know, didn't have too much to do with West Ham's goal. We also saw uh, Tang Gialli come in over Rachel Williams for the striker position. And Rosella Ayan also got a start, a rare start for her. So we were pretty dominant in the first half, uh, but entered halftime still scoreless. We definitely had had most of the possession and were pressing. I was really encouraged to see that we were uh, bringing the game to West Ham, you know, playing on the front foot. And also just util- utilizing a lot of different um, options and attack. You know, we were very fluid, um, challenging them in different areas of the pitch. And they just were scrambling to keep up and didn't know what to expect. So in the second half, we saw Maeva Clemeron come out at the very beginning of the half. Uh, she was on a yellow card. And it was unfortunate to see her go out because I think we really lost some of our defensive stability. Um, But I think she also doesn't get enough credit for what she brings to the attack as well. In the 54th minute, we got our big break with a penalty, which Rosella Ion converted for her first goal in the WSL this season. So that was great to see. And the player who committed the foul, uh, Hawa Sissoko, She actually had been flirting with a red card the whole game. She had gotten her yellow pretty early in the first half. Um, And not too long after this penalty, which she also could have easily been given her second yellow for, uh, she was kind of goaded into another foul. Um, I believe it was on Jessica Naz. And she ended up getting her second yellow for dissent. Um, The ref, in my opinion, probably could have controlled the game a lot better because she really let West Ham get away with quite a bit in the first half. We had also seen um, their new signing, Snurla, uh, elbow Josie Green in the nose. She was bleeding. And I was kind of surprised that she was not awarded a yellow in, for that incident. And she ended up picking up another yellow in the second half herself. So she did not have the best debut for West Ham, needless to say. She also had caused her goalkeeper some grief uh, with 
you know, some sloppy back passes and uh, not a great performance from her to start. But after the red card, you know, we really should have taken advantage. And at that point, we probably could have already been a couple of goals up, but we really started piling on the, the goal opportunities at that point. And I was kind of surprised that the game was not at like 4-0 going into the very last stretch. And as I said before, we were having some issues in the midfield once Clemeron was gone. And towards the end of the game, we, we had three minutes of stoppage time. And I think it was Kate Longhurst for West Ham ended up drilling just an absolutely perfect header into our goal. There wasn't much that Spencer could do about it. Um, it was just a moment of uh, distraction for our defenders. I think Molly Bartrip was the one who was meant to be marking her and she just couldn't get up to block the header. So it was pretty crushing to have them equalize in you know, the last, I think, 30 seconds of the game. Uh, once again, another uh, London Derby for the women ending in a draw. This one was not quite as painful as the Arsenal one because of the implications, but it was still very disappointing. Uh, a couple other notable things. We also had a pretty sparse bench today because we have a couple of players away at the Asian Cup. Uh, that would be Cho So Yun and Kaya Simon uh, playing for North Korea, North Korea, South Korea and Australia, respectively. And the subs that we did bring in, I will say, um, brought a lot to the table. Angela Addison especially provided an additional spark to our offense, which was already firing on all cylinders. Um, I She probably could have stood to come on earlier because uh, you just feel like anytime she's on the pitch, magic can happen. She makes a huge impact. And we also saw Rachel Williams con uh, come on even before Addison did. And I think Rianne Skinner really was hoping for her to provide some of that veteran experience and finishing. And she did have a few opportunities herself. Uh, Ubagagu also came in. And while she had some great moments in attack, she was also involved in the buildup towards West Ham's eventual goal. So a bit of a mixed performance for her today. So we ended the match with 19 shots, six of them on target. And this is relevant because we are ending the match day in fourth place thanks to Manchester United getting a win this match day. So this means that we are tied on points with both Man U and Chelsea, but we are pretty far behind in goal difference, especially for Chelsea. But I think there's a six goal gap between us and Man United now. So we really needed to kill this game off when West Ham went down to 10 players, not just to literally finish the game with a win and all three points, but also to start boosting that goal difference. You know, we've really struggled across the season to score more than one goal in a match. And we saw today that actually our only goal came from a penalty, which was well-earned, but we had so many chances to score from open play that we just didn't finish. So that's another concern going into the rest of the season. We also only have a two-point lead over Man City, and they have really had an uptick in form lately. So we're going to have to make sure that our next few matches, we really get those results so that we can keep them at bay and uh, make up that, you know, goal difference um, with Man United by earning some points.
So it was definitely a bit of a bummer today to have that draw, but we're still in a good position to be challenging for that third Champions League spot. The good news is that the transfer window is still open and I have heard rumors that Tottenham are prepared to spend for the women's team in this window. Um, And I really think that now that we have brought in that additional midfielder um, in Evelina Sumanen, who was not included in today's match day squad, but I'm sure will feature soon. um, I think now the priority really needs to be to bring in another forward just to have another option Um, hopefully somebody who's a little more clinical in their finishing. Um, I will say today, it it just felt like we were unlucky, but it is becoming a trend. So we definitely need someone who's going to be a little more clinical as Ion continues to develop, Ubagagu continues to develop. Um, The goals will come for them, but in the meantime, we definitely need someone who can just get the job done alongside Rachel Williams. So looking forward, we've just got the cut match coming up midweek, I believe we are playing Liverpool and they've been doing very well in the championship. So they're not going to be a pushover side. Um, but we do have to have a bit of an eye towards rotation regarding the lineup because we've got Manchester United on Sunday. And that's going to be an absolutely massive game, essentially a six pointer since, we, you know, there are direct rivals for that third spot. So um, I will probably be back after that second game. Um, But until then, have a great weekend. Thanks again to Caroline Stefko for that update on the Spurs women's team. You can follow her at CG Stefko. And thanks again to Scott Shuban and Dakota for being on today's episode of the Tottenham Depot. I have been your host, Andrew. Follow us at Tottenham Depot on all the socials. And as always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.